This is MacabreCast Raw Cuts. Unscripted, unedited, and maybe just a little unsober. Hey, horror fiends, it's Phil, Macabre Brothers Original, watching American Horror Story 1984, Episode 6. And uh, Episode 5 was kind of the end of Part 1, where we had everything come to a head. We ended up with uh, many of our main characters dead and stuck in purgatory at Camp Redwood, including Xavier, Chet, Montana, and Ray, Brooke got carted off to jail, we learn, where she's been convicted of killing everybody at Camp Redwood. While Trent, he made it out, so did Margaret. And now we learn what everybody's doing one to five years after this. So I'm gonna call it the Rebirth episode, episode six. And we flash forward to begin with 1985, where Night Stalker and Mr. Jingles, they've been touring the country, just killing right and left. And we learn they've killed 11 people. Night Stalker's been going out and hacking people up, telling Mr. Jingles that uh, he can't ditch him. He can't ditch this game of, uh, you know, buddy horror killing spree show because Satan gave him life. You serve at his pleasure. If you bail, there will be hell to pay. Literally. (laughs) Great line, Night Stalker. I always knew you were kind of a uh, emo kid. We also learned that Mr. Jingles, of course, he's a good guy. He prefers Ario Speedwagon to Black Sabbath. And soon enough, there's trouble in Killing Spree Paradise when Night Stalker gets chased down by an angry mob and Mr. Jingles manages to escape Satan for just a little bit. Roll the credits. That's our opening scene. And we're going to flash forward even further to 1989 when we learn that Brooke is definitely the alleged murderer at Camp Redwood. She's been framed by Margaret as we knew she would because there's in big, bold red lettering across one of the cabins reminding us that Brooke's the murderer. But really, no. It's all our kids in purgatory, like Montana. She's the real threat. We find her sunbathing on the dock at Camp Redwood, and a guy with a fanny pack walks up, gets seduced by Montana, as they usually do, and then murdered. And who should show up but Xavier, good old Xavier. We find out that the two of them are loving this, oh, purgatory life where they can kill indiscriminately without any sort of consequences. Xavier even gives us the uh, heavy-handed explanation about he tried to be so good and he tried to do everything right, and where did that get him? That got him dead, so why wouldn't he just be killing right now? All right, I guess if you're a ghost, that's one way to do it. Whereas Mr. Jingles, you know, we know that he's just a good guy. He's just always been a good guy. He just made a poor pact with the devil. Meanwhile, another pact that's been made with the devil, Trent. He has made a pact with the living devil, Margaret Booth. She's a goddamn real estate mogul. She and she's known for buying up haunted properties, properties with dark pasts and turning them into places like, well, bed and breakfasts and haunted hotels. We even learned that she purchased Briarcliff Manor. You might recognize that from uh, season two. That's where all the shit went down in asylum season. I love it. I love it. She's also bought the homes of Lizzie Borden, Ed Gein, and tells Trent when Trent says, you should not be doing this anymore, that murder will always sell. And yeah, she's made a killing off of it. She's turned a small inheritance from a dead husband, who we can only assume that she murdered, into a real estate uh, empire based on haunted houses. And who's her right-hand man? Trent. Because he tried his hardest to blackmail her while he was laying on his deathbed back in 1984, and she blackmailed him right back, said that um, there's only one way that we can get out of this, by me marrying you, and you can't testify against me. Eh, Some spotty logic there, but whatever, it works for the the moment. They hate each other. 
they can't stand each other, but Trent, he's still wandering around playing right-hand man to Margaret Booth. Back in jail, Brooke is uh, on death row. She's about ready to uh, head off for the murders that she was convicted of, the murders everybody believes that she committed based on testimony from good old Margaret Booth. And who should she see on death row but Night Stalker? Yeah, he's been in there ever since that mob found him and beat his ass. So while all that's happening on death row, we have Xavier on Montana killing people whenever they feel like it. Um, For what other reason? Than to steal their trendy clothes. <laughs> yeah, they kill some campers at Camp Redwood because people are still going there for whatever fucking reason, uh, haunted tours or whatever. And uh, they promptly get murdered by our deadly duo of Xavier and Montana. Mr. Jingles, meanwhile, he has escaped. You know, like we said, he got away from uh, Night Stalker and he's living up in Alaska with a wife and a kid. And we get a very quick, very, well, I would say kind of ham-fisted explanation of she was a prostitute, he was a murderer, they both ran off together, somehow, some point in their past, he saved her life, maybe showed her the error of her ways, and she showed him the love of uh, having a child. So yeah, yeah, they're, they're happy, and we learned that they're both happy. Mr. Jangles even works at a video store. A stand-in for good old Blockbuster where he loves to um, mess with people's rentals by instead of giving them slashers Friday the 13th and uh, Nightmare on Elm Streets, he gives them movies like Mystic Pizza and Tootsie. Not what a horror fan wants, but he tells you horror movies are not good. So Mr. Jingles holding strong. He's got the uh, moral high ground on everybody here. Including Margaret Booth, of course. Everybody's got the moral high ground on Margaret Booth, even though she loves to, uh, you know, mess with people and uh, twist their words around them. And, of course, is still using her religion to get what she wants. Yeah, Margaret is like the lowest of the low. She is in the fucking sewer when it comes to moral values. Uh, She wants to go watch Brooke get her lethal injection because, yeah, Brooke's been put to uh, death row and she will be killed and Margaret shows up. Oh, and also, you know, Trent is there, too. Brooke lets her know that uh, I am not going to go to hell for you. I am not going to die for you. I want everybody to know that you did it. And Margaret, she's disappointed. You know, as as a bona fide killer, Margaret is disappointed that lethal injection is so anticlimactic. In one of the most, I will say, macabre lines that we have in this entire fucking episode, Margaret Bruth watches Brooke die slowly, quietly, and very stoically on the lethal injection table, and she says, well, that was anticlimactic. We need to bring back the guillotine. (laughs) Margaret! Man, at this point, you are just rooting so hard for Margaret to meet the sort of end that she deserves. I'm not sure what that is yet. I'm not sure at whose hands she gets that. If it's going to be Brooke, if it's going to be Mr. Jingles, if it's going to be Trent who finally decides to turn on her, or if it's going to be every last person she ever murdered because Chet's got it out for her too. Yeah, he's still hanging out in purgatory with all our other dead former camp counselors. So Margaret's got a lot of people gunning for her, and she's getting, well, bloodthirsty for other people's death. She's had a little bit too much blood, time to give her some of her own. As Brooke is being put to death, Night Stalker, of course he manages to escape out of jail with a little assist from a satanic ritual. And where's he go first? Well, he goes and sees his old buddy, Mr. Jingles up in Alaska. Leaves him a little calling card in the form of a dead, sliced up wife. Does not touch the child. And we end on Mr. Jingles 
getting his keys back, jingling away into the sunset well, jingling away into the lightning storm after leaving his child behind to say he must finish what is happening at Camp Redwood. Now home to the next big thing. Yeah, Camp Redwood is going to get a music festival. (laughs) Margaret just doesn't know how to stop when she's ahead. Yes, now that uh, Camp Redwood's back in the news, she's going to host a music festival at Camp Redwood, headlined by none other than Billy fucking Idol, Night Stalker's favorite musician and Montana's favorite musician. And we all know what that means. Well, we're told what that means, of course, by good old Montana, that it's going to be like a buffet out there. Slasher buffet returning to Camp Redwood a couple years into the future, 1989 now, (laughs) as of episode six of American Horror Story 84. And we leave with the return of Nurse Rita. I won't tell you how she returns, but yes, Nurse Rita, she ain't gone. She managed to uh, escape But like everyone else, she's getting pulled back to Redwood, this time with a new accomplice at her side. Still twisty, still turny. And I'm enjoying the fact that um, some of these uh, characters are finding new alliances and new allegiances. Xavier and Montana are definitely blood brothers from hell. Trent and Margaret, they have got an awful, miserable relationship going on. Mr. Jingles broke up with Night Stalker, but they will have a run-in again, I'm sure of it. And then Nurse Rita with her newfound accomplice. Yeah, we'll see where this goes. Cranking through, three episodes left. Coming up on episode seven of American Horror Story. 